All right. Well, last week I uh, began a new little uh, mini-series. I think it's going to be a mini-series. I'm not sure exactly how long this is going to go. We're talking about an excellent spirit. We're studying the life of Daniel and some characteristics that we can learn from Daniel in this series, an excellent spirit subtitled How to Enlarge Your Life This Year. So if you will, would you turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, and that's in the Old Testament if you're still getting familiar with your Bible. Daniel 1. And when you find Daniel 1, would you stand up with me and let's honor the reading of the word? It's a little bit of a longer reading this morning, and we're going to jump around here a little bit. All right. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, it's easy for me to say, Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, or your version may say knowledgeable, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now let's jump down to, what did I say here? 17. Jump down to 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first king, until the first year of King Cyrus. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. All right, well, where am I going with that? Why was that our reading this morning? Well, I'm going to explain why. Because again, we're talking more about Daniel's excellent spirit that we talked about last week. We're going to enlarge upon that today, Daniel's excellent spirit. So um, that word excellent there, as we read last week, um, is the Hebrew word yatir, and it means preeminent, surpassing, extraordinary, and excellent. Okay, excellent spirit. And it also said of Daniel and his companions that they were knowledgeable, wise, and quick to understand. Now, another way to understand that term quick to understand would be the the word discernment. Daniel and his companions had discernment. So I want to talk to this morning about how did they get there? How did Daniel get there? And how do we get there? 
to where we can experience likewise surpassing extraordinary excellent spirit so that we are likewise knowledgeable, wise, and quick to understand or people of discernment also. Well, first of all, I want you to understand that Daniel was a reader. Now, how do I know that? Well, we're going to get to a verse in Daniel here in a moment that says exactly that. But in chapter 1, verse 4, that we just read from our master text, it said that Daniel was described as knowledgeable, knowledgeable. Well, how do you think he got that way? He was a reader, okay? So let's read this passage really quick out of 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed meaning inspired by God, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I want to encourage you to be purposeful then in your Bible reading. Now, a lot of what I'm going to be teaching you this morning is super basic Christianity, but we're looking at lessons from the life of Daniel, and so I'm hoping to inspire you to uh, take these daily disciplines up to a new level this year. So I want you to understand that uh, Daniel was indeed a reader. So I want to encourage you, likewise, to be purposeful in your Bible reading. In other words, don't do what I've heard some people say that they do, and just flip open the Bible to wherever it flops open, to any random chapter, and just read a couple of verses and call it a day. Don't do it like that. See, we need to read the Bible in context. So if you just flip the Bible open to some random chapter and read a couple of verses, that's exactly how heresies start. Because you need to read the Bible in context, not lift things out of context and build little theologies around them. Okay, Read the entire Bible in context. So read entire chapters at a time. And maybe go through an entire book of the Bible. In fact, that's what I recommend that you do. Go through an entire book of the Bible from start to finish over several days. And then when you get done with that, you can either reread it or go on to the next, cha- or, uh, the next book of the Bible. Read the entire New Testament. Uh, this is the, my practice. I'll, I'll, I read chronologically because I want to read in context. I want to understand the entire context of what the Bible is saying. Now, I highlight certain things that, are, that jump out that are important to me, and I will, I will memorize certain Bible verses, but I want to read the Bible in context because I want to see all of what God's saying to me, not just an isolated verse or two. Okay? So uh, I'll read through the entire New Testament, and then I'll go back and I'll start over and I'll do it again. And then sometimes I'll go back to the Old Testament and read it all the way through and then start the process all over again. I encourage you to do something similar. Read the entire Bible in context. Um, and, you know, yeah, that does take a while, but, uh, hey, be patient with the process. Uh, there's a lot of information in the Bible. So just be patient. You don't have to get through, it, through all of it next week. Just be patient. If it takes you a year to get through it or even two years, that's fine. Just get to know it. That's all. Okay? Now, um, Andrew Walmack said this. I think this is a great quote. I want this to, to inspire you, hopefully. The Word of God is the single most important component of a fruitful and victorious Christian life. It is how we know God, referencing John 1.1, and how we learn to live in the abundant life that Jesus came to provide, referencing John 10.10. So he's exactly right. That should be your primary tool 
for hearing from God. Now, are there other ways to hear from God? Yes, absolutely. We won't get into all those this morning. I mean, God will speak to your heart um, things that are not necessarily always in the Bible, like... um, what job to take, what school to go to, who to marry. These are not things that are in the Bible that you can point to chapter and verse. So you'll need to be, you need to get skilled in listening to the Spirit of God. But his primary way of communicating is the Bible, period, okay? That's his primary way. Not his only way, but his primary way is with the Bible. So be a reader of the Bible. But I want to encourage you as well to be a reader of lots of good Christian books as well. As a matter of fact, that quote right there from Andrew Walmack came from a book that I read just recently on humility. And you know, I'm already a diligent student of the Word of God and have been for 30 years. But in the reading of that book, um, it helped me to understand some of the Word of God better. As a matter of fact, there were points in that book that smacked me right beside the head six or seven different times. So that's what good teaching from the Word of God will do for you. It'll, figuratively speaking, black your eyes and bloody your nose once in a while. And that's okay, because we need some adjustments from time to time, don't we? Don't we? Okay. All right. Am I in the right place? With the right people? Yeah. We all need some adjustments from time to time. Praise the Lord. Uh, Brent Denny referenced uh, Charles Spurgeon this morning when he was uh, doing uh, the announcement time, and I want to quote Charles Spurgeon on this point. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible, but live in the Bible. So reading is so important. Um, I also like this quote from Mark Twain. A person who won't read has no advantage over one who can't read. Don't you like that? So be a reader. And then Ralph Waldo Emerson likewise said, if we encounter a man of rare intellect, we should ask him what books he reads. Yeah, praise God. So be a reader. Your Bible is your number one source, but you can supplement that with some good Christian books that help you to understand the Bible better. So Daniel was a reader, but he was also a man of prayer. Uh, As a matter of fact, in Daniel 6, verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, this was a decree that said that no one could pray to anyone except the king, and the king at that point was King Darius, uh, by the time chapter 6 rolls around. So there was a law published that no one could pray to any god or any, any other person except for the king, King Darius. So when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, what can we learn from this? Well, first of all, here's another point right here, that Daniel was a man of no compromise. Daniel was a man of prayer, but he was also a man of no compromise because he wouldn't let this law dissuade him from doing what he knew was proper to do. And as a matter of fact, he apparently didn't even go into hiding to pray these prayers. He prayed them very openly like he had always done, maybe with his windows open or something. Uh, You know, that artist's depiction there in that picture is with some of the officials of the town coming into his house after they heard him praying outside of his window, I guess. Um, we don't know exactly how that scene looked, but, but the fact of the matter is Daniel was a man of prayer and he was a man of no compromise. 
Even when the law had been passed that you can't do this, he did it anyway. He was a man of no compromise. So we can learn from that as well. Have a spiritual backbone for Pete's sake. Amen. What we can learn from Daniel. Be a person of prayer. Be a person of, of his word. But be a person of some spiritual backbone. We need more men and women with spiritual backbone in this day and age of milk toast Christianity. Okay? We need more Daniels in our society. Hopefully I'm among some of them today. And then also Daniel was a man of fasting. It says in Daniel 9 verses 1 through 3, in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a mean of by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. So here again, we see where Daniel's knowledge and wisdom came from. It was from the scriptures. He says it right there. He had been given revelation from the scriptures. We also see, once again, Daniel's commitment to prayer, but also combined at times with fasting. Daniel was a man of prayer, a man of fasting, and a man of the word. Okay, so four things so far this morning that we're learning from Daniel. Daniel was a reader. He knew the word. Okay, Daniel was a man of prayer. He was a man of fasting, and he was a man of no compromise. No compromise. He, 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 wouldn't, he wouldn't compromise with the world. So a lot of, I mean, very basic lessons that we can learn from Daniel, but, but lessons that I think so much of the body of Christ in America really needs to step it up in. So I know this is a very basic message this morning, but I think that this is an area where we could really, these various areas are areas we could really step them up. But I want to talk to you also about another characteristic of Daniel, and that's that Daniel was a man of relationship, relationship with God specifically. Daniel was a man of relationship with God. Let me read to you out of Daniel 10, verses 10 through 11, which says, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. Wouldn't you love to hear that from a messenger from heaven? Yeah. O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. Now, by the way, I want to give you a little bit of insight on that. The, that term greatly loved that's been translated into English as greatly loved is the Hebrew word kamad, and it means treasured, to delight in, and to desire. Treasured, to delight in, and to desire. So this is saying that, that God greatly treasured Daniel, delighted in him, even desired to be with Daniel. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Now, by the way, all the disciplines that we've talked about so far that we see in the life of Daniel that we want to apply to our lives as well, all these disciplines are not in place for discipline's sake, for the sake of these various disciplines that we've looked at. These disciplines are not in, in place for their own sake. 
Rather, they're there as ways of drawing closer to the Lord. You know, James 4.8 tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Amen? They're also there as a way of equipping us for works of service and to be more productive. Right? How, how many of you know you're going to be more productive in the service of the Lord if you know his word better? If you're connected to the Lord in, in prayer and fasting and you're seeking relationship with God, not just to learn the, the word of God for head knowledge, but to be better equipped to serve God in various ways and to know God as well. You know, a lot of people seem to believe that as long as they go to church once in a while and, and uh, read their Bibles now and then, that they've done their duty. And as important as those things are, reading your Bible and going to church and regularly, I might add, but we have to consider that it's not about duty. It's about the secret place. It's about the secret place. And out of that will come fruitfulness. What's the secret place? Your private time with God. Your private place with God where you and God meet together. And where he has fellowship with you and you him. And deep calls unto deep. That's what we're talking about. <clears throat> I heard a story about a couple who was in marriage counseling. And uh, the, the wife complained to the counselor that her husband never told her that he loved her anymore. And the counselor turned and said, sir, is this true? And he responded by saying, well, I told her that I loved her on our wedding day, and I haven't changed my mind, so I see no need in repeating myself. <laughs> well, so if intimacy with the Lord is the goal, as it should be, then there are certain things that we should be doing, like that husband should be telling his wife on a regular basis that he loves her, right? If intimacy is the goal, there are certain things that we should be doing, not just out of duty's sake, but for the sake of relationship. And that's certainly true where our relationship with God is concerned. If intimacy with God is the goal, as it should be, there are certain things that we should be doing, not out of duty's sake, but for the sake of relationship. See, if your relationship with your spouse is just checking off a little checklist, I would almost suggest that your relationship with your spouse probably isn't a very vibrant one. If you're just checking off some checklist, oh, I've got to tell my wife I love her this morning. I tell my wife, you know, she did a good job with uh, my breakfast. i got to hug her and kiss her goodbye. Check. If that's all it is, you probably have some issues in your marriage. And if that's all your relationship with the Lord is, check, I went to church, check, I read my Bible, check, I prayed. Well, that's nothing more than living under law. So your, your life needs to be more than just duty for duty's sake. It's relationship. Am I right? Okay. All right. So that's another characteristic of, of Daniel, but let's push on here. I also want you to understand, and this is a, a point taken from our last teaching last week, that Daniel was a man of high standards. He was a man of excellence in everything that he did. 
And by those high standards, listen, by those high standards, Daniel represented the Lord well. In fact, Daniel so distinguished himself that he was greatly valued by the kings that he served under. And one king in particular, King Darius, which was the king that he was serving under when he got thrown into the lion's den. Um, it was that king in particular that greatly valued Daniel. All of them, I mean, he served under like three different kings, I believe it was. All of them greatly valued Daniel. But King Darius in particular was greatly distressed when he learned that he had been tricked into making a law that would get Daniel in trouble. In fact, he was so distressed that the, uh, the Bible records that, that uh, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, right before they put him in there, King Darius came to him and said, Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. He loved Daniel. The scriptures go on to say that King Darius uh, would not eat that evening and that he refused all entertainment and he couldn't sleep that night. So even this pagan king came to love Daniel because of Daniel's spirit of excellence. See, Daniel served that pagan king just as well as he would have if Darius had been an Israelite king. He didn't minimize or diminish his excellence to this king whatsoever, even though he was a pagan king. Daniel represented the God of Israel so well that whenever God saved Daniel from the mouths of the lion, King Darius made a new decree that everyone living in that region had to revere and honor the God of Israel. So here's a very important point right here. Daniel made God known by his excellence. Did you realize that? Daniel made God known by his excellence. And so should you and I. I'm going to read Ephesians 5, 14 through 17 to you this morning. And um, I want to make a point about this. That, that imagery on the screen there of those clocks just kind of, that's kind of representing you know, time just passing. And there was a, if you're my age, you might remember an old song from the 70s. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Time, you bunch of heathens. <laughs> yeah, I did start it, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. But that is, it really is true, isn't it? Time just keeps slipping into the future. You can't stop it. As a matter of fact, well, I, I want to read the scripture to you, and then I want to make a point about this. It says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We want to make the most of every opportunity. I, I want to give you some facts about making the most of every day that kind of bring a little bit of gravity to this. Did you know that by the end of 2024, 61 million people 
will have passed from this life. 61 million people by the end of 2024 will have passed away. They're dying at a rate of two per second. Two per second. And another fact that really can't be quantified in hard numbers like that is that many people who do live throughout 2024 will have completely wasted their year. So that's why this passage is so important to us, not only for the year, but for every day of the year, to keep this perspective in mind. Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How do we understand what the Lord's will is? From his word. Verse 15, be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. How do you learn how to live wisely? From his word. It all comes back to his word. Praise the Lord. So I want to challenge you this morning to make the best of every opportunity this year. Well, how do we do that? Well, I've got some suggestions for you. I'm going to present to you this morning a challenge for 2024, and I'm calling this the Daniel Challenge. Now, we've all heard of the Daniel Fast, but I want to present to you something that I'm calling the Daniel Challenge. And we're getting this from the life of Daniel, some of the characteristics of Daniel that I think that we all could probably step it up in a little bit this year. So I've got eight of them for you. Um, I don't think I put these in your notes, did I? Okay, so you can take a screenshot of this. Um, the first one is this, read at least two chapters of the Bible every day, six days a week. That's my challenge to you this week. Now, some of you are probably already doing that, but I know all of you aren't. Do you know how I know, how I know that? Because I have conversations with some of you. <laughs> Ouch. Read at least two chapters of the Bible every day, six days per week. Okay? Six days per week. Two chapters is easy, folks. That's easy. In fact, if you can do more than that, I recommend that you do so. My number two challenge of uh, 2024 is have a time of private and quiet prayer time of at least 15 minutes every day. And that's really your starting place. I mean, if... Man, if you can't pray 15 minutes, something's wrong. I mean, you, there ought to be enough people on your prayer list to cover 15 minutes just, just praying for other people. Jesus said, can you not watch with me one hour? So 15 minutes ought to be the starting place. Maybe we should even shoot for one hour of prayer. Now, the thing that we can learn from Daniel is that notice that Daniel had three different prayer times throughout his day. Three times a day, he would go to his room, his upper room, and he would pray toward Jerusalem. Now, not, the Bible doesn't tell us how long those prayer times were, but if they were only 10 minutes a pop, that's 30 minutes of prayer time right there. Just 10 minutes a pop. Okay? So if you, if you need to break it up like that, by all means. But spend your day fellowshipping with the Lord, not just in, in, and it says of Jesus that he got up before dawn. Yeah. 
when it was still dark and went to a solitary place to pray. Prayed all night one time. So 15 minutes ought to be the starting place. That ought to be the least that you can do. But that's my challenge to you. If you haven't been doing that, if you've not been a person of prayer daily, start with 15 minutes and let it grow from there. Okay, my third challenge to you, my third part of the challenge is read four good Christian books this year. Now, if you read four books this year, that's one per quarter. That's like one book every three months. Now, that book that I mentioned that I read on humility by Andrew Womack had 26 chapters in it, but they were all fairly short. And I just supplemented my Bible reading with that. Uh, with one chapter a day of that Andrew Womack book, and I was done in, you know, like 26 days. Okay? So, pretty easy. So, read four good Christian books this year that supplement your Bible reading. That'll help you, some of you, to understand the Bible better. Number four on my Daniel challenge for 2024 is incorporate fasting into your disciplines. I'm not talking about just this first of the year fast that we're on right now, but I'm talking about incorporate it throughout your, your week and your month and your year. So I'll, I'll, I'm just going to tell you what I do personally as a, just a way to help to inspire you to uh, maybe think about doing something similar. So uh, typically what I do throughout my week is I fast every Monday. And usually I'll fast uh, breakfast and lunch. And sometimes I'll go all day and just fast the entire day. But I try to give God the first part of my week uh, every Monday, I'll fast. And so you might think about doing something similar because pretty much anybody can do one day. And then every so often, depending on how the Lord inspires me, I might decide, okay, now I'm going to do a three-day fast. Uh, there's times that I've done seven-day fasts, a 21-day fasts, and 40-day fasts, depending on how the Lord inspires me. So just be led of the Lord. If you start small, you can grow from there right? Start with one day a week, grow from there, and then uh, the Lord will inspire you to go deeper. And as you do, there's, there's blessings associated with that. Number five on the Daniel challenge for the year is set a goal in your church attendance this year. Now there's, there's 52 Sundays in the year 2024, 52. Now if we factor in uh, vacations, if you take two weeks of vacation, like one week twice a year, and you go from Sunday to Sunday, you're going to miss those Sundays if you're out of town. So there's four Sundays that are you know, off the list right there. And then a couple more Sundays for maybe being sick or you know, attending an out-of-town wedding or something along those lines. But shoot for 45 Sundays. 45 out of 52 is not that difficult. It really isn't. Um, and I challenged you last week, remember, that, you know, before starting this church, I was at church five times a week as the worship leader, Don, and I with two small children at the time. If we can do it five times a week, you can do it once a week. It's not that hard. It's just, you know what, can, can I say this? You will do what you prioritize. You will. You, ju- you will just do what you prioritize. If it's important enough to you, you'll do it. You know, when I was in my 20s, um, I lived a lifestyle that um, I don't really recommend what I'm about to tell you. Um, I, was, I, was, I was really into weightlifting. I mean, like, really into it. 
And I don't really recommend that lifestyle because it's very hedonistic. It's, very, it's a very selfish lifestyle um, because, you know, I was in the gym like 10 hours a week. I don't recommend that. I think it's very selfish. Uh, it's, a, it's an idolatrous lifestyle. But I, I did learn some things with all that weightlifting that I did back in my 20s. And I learned this. I learned that if you want to grow, you have to be there consistently. Meaning that if I wanted to make some changes in my, my physical appearance, I had to be there at the gym consistently. And if, if I missed, my attitude was this, oh my gosh, okay, well, maybe I won't lose too much today, but I'm certainly not going to gain anything. Did you hear what I just said? If I missed a day at the gym, my attitude was, maybe I'm a, I won't lose that much today if I just missed a day, but I certainly am not going to gain anything. There's a parallel there, folks. That's a parallel to our lives in Christ. If you're not there, if you're not present, there's things you're going to miss. There's things that God had prepared for you that you're not going to get if you're not there. Okay, and here's another lesson I learned from those weightlifting years that has a, a spiritual parallel. It's best done with a partner. What's that mean? Well, in the weightlifting world, uh, if you're lifting weights with a partner, they can push you harder than you would push yourself. If you've got a good partner anyway. They're, they're going to push you harder than you can push yourself. Come on, folks. Spur one another on to love and good deeds, the Bible says. Okay? We need to spur one another on. You, you can do more when you partner with the people of God. And I'm going to go on to say this. I'm going to encourage you to not just make the Sunday morning experience um, your only time that you gather with the people of God uh, throughout the week. Because, you know, in a setting like what we're doing right now, this is a monologue. In other words, I'm talking and you're listening, but there's no dialogue. Now, when you get together with a small group, there's dialogue. And you can share your heart with people, and they can share their heart with you, and you can get to know people. They can get to know you. And you start having fellowship. That, that's true fellowship right there. So our small groups are a way to have true fellowship and get to know one another. I really want to encourage you to plug in to a small group if you're not already plugged into that as well. So once again, the parallels from my exercise days is if you want to grow, you've got to be there consistently, and it's best done with a partner. Okay? Praise the Lord. All right, that's number five on our Daniel challenge. Number six is this. Strive to raise your standards and increase the quality of everything that you do for the glory of God. Don't ever settle for, oh, that's good enough. Don't ever settle for that. Oh, that's good enough. That's not the spirit of excellence. Strive to excel expectations. So take, take a self-evaluation and evaluate all the things that you're doing right now, all the responsibilities that you have, and strive to raise your standards and increase the quality of everything that you do for the glory of God. Well, what if your job is cleaning toilets at work? What if you're a custodial type of worker? Nothing wrong with that. Praise God for people like that. But a lot of people could take the attitude, well, this is just cleaning bathrooms. That's not the way God sees it. 
Can I tell you a story real quick about that? I was listening to Keith Moore one time talk, and he said that, and it meant if you've ever been to Keith Moore's church, it is a well-oiled machine. And so he said that he went into the bathroom one day, and uh, man, that place was just sparkling. And, the, and the, the bathroom attendant was there, and happened to be there when he walked in, and he was just like, when he saw Pastor Moore walked in, he was just gleaming and smiling from ear to ear. It looked like the Cheshire cat. And it's like, what, what's this all about? And uh, so he was proud of the job that he did because that place was like, you could eat off the floor in that, that restroom. And uh, so Keith Moore kind of understood at that moment what was going on and, it, and praised him for the excellent job that he did. He could see that job as like, oh, this is just the bathroom. Or if you're a, a greeter, oh, this is just greeting. Or if you're a parking lot attendant, oh, this, you know, it's just, that's not an important job. No, it's all important. It's all important. So whatever it is that you're doing, whether in word or in deed, do it all for the glory of God. Okay? Don't ever think your job is too small because it's the small jobs done well that God promotes to bigger and greater responsibility. All right, number seven, we're almost done. Evaluate your life and determine to raise the bar in terms of your integrity before the Lord. Take another self-evaluation of, we talked about this last week, what am I doing well? And where am I stumbling? And endeavor to be a person of integrity. If you're stumbling in some areas, if, you're, if, you're, um, if there's areas of weakness or sin in your life, uh, address those things and evaluate those things and determine to raise the bar in terms of your integrity and your holiness before the Lord this year. And then the last one in my Daniel challenge for 2024 is to endeavor to make an impact all right? Look for opportunities to sow into the lives of others. Pay it forward. If you've been blessed with some wisdom or some knowledge, pay it forward. Bless someone else. Uh, evangelize. Tell somebody about Jesus this year. Help somebody. Help the poor. Okay? Um, serve at a food kitchen. Something. Endeavor to make an impact in someone's life this year. In fact, maybe set a goal for yourself. Endeavor to make an impact in somebody's life, like one person a week. Look for a, a, one person a day. Lord, who do you want me to impact today? So make it your mission to impact someone's life for the kingdom this year. And let me ask you to do this too. I'd like to almost do this as a campaign. I would like not only for this church to take the Daniel challenge, but for this church to challenge other people to take the Daniel challenge. And let's, let's help the body of Christ to come up to a new level this year. I know these are very basic things that we talked about today, but look, sometimes people, you know, they want the deeper things of God. And Andy, feed me the deep things of God. Well, you haven't done the last 15 things that God told you. You're not ready for the 16th. Right? God wants you to master the basics before you go on to the deeper stuff. And sometimes we just, we, we see this, what I, the stuff that I've talked about today, we see this as that's just, that's just Christianity 101. That's elementary school Christianity. Yeah, why don't you graduate from elementary school for Pete's sake? Come up to a new level. Some of you aren't even doing two chapters a day. Some of you, forgive me, you're ignorant of the word of God. You're still, you're still sucking on a pacifier when you ought to be eating meat. That's what, the, that's what the apostle, I'm sorry to put it like that, but some of you, I mean, like the apostle Paul said, some of you are still drinking milk when you ought to be eating meat. And the apostle Paul said, by this time, 
you ought to be teachers, but you have to go over the elementary things of the faith all over again. That's what the book of Hebrews says. Read Hebrews 5 and 6. The writer of Hebrews was, was kind of chastising the people of God. And he said, look, guys, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teaching other people. But now you've got to learn the elementary truths of God's word all over again because he, this is what he said. You are unskilled in the word of righteousness. That's what he said. You're unskilled in the word of righteousness. In other words, get off the bottle and start eating some steak for Pete's sake. The only way you're going to do that is read, study, apply, live it out, come and get fed. Okay? I mean, I mean look, the church thing is easy because I'm like spoon feeding you the word of God. But then you've got to take that and go home and then take it further than just what you get on Sunday morning. And you've got to apply yourself to learn and grow and master the word of God. Look, man, I'm just getting really pointed this morning. Look, I am not interested in hand-holding a bunch of babies. I'm not. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to come up to a new level this year as men and women and warriors of God. I have no interest in hand-holding a bunch of babies all year. Because you know what babies do? They cry and wail and take my time all the time. That's what they do. You want a baby does? <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. They spit up on everything too. You know how many times that I've been spit up on by, by babies? You mamas, you know what that's like to be spit up on by babies. Now, that's okay when, you know, a child's six months old. But when a child gets six years old, you don't want to be changing their diapers and uh, them spitting up on you anymore. What do you want to do now? <laughs> hey, can, can you agree to take the Daniel challenge this year? Yeah, we're going to do that this year, right? All right, praise God. Stand with me and let's pray. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening and may God's grace and favor shine on you.